Hello everyone, I am Brennan Sahajan and I attend bar at Washington State's best beer bar, the Manitou Tap House. I decided to make a podcast because the regular customers who come in are the most eclectic group of people I have ever met. And I want all of you to know the perspective and stories from the people from my bar. Today is a special episode because our good friend, John Welch, passed a few weeks ago and the Manitou Tap House had a memorial service for him and I interviewed several people that have previously been on the podcast to talk about their memories and whatever they liked or disliked about John Welch. So this is a little emotional, but it's definitely worth it. I hope you enjoy. Thanks. I have Chris Harnett here, and he is going to talk about John. Ooh, okay. John, sitting at the end of the bar, constantly asking me, what's the name of that brewery in Boston? I got a sister who lives there. What's the name of that brewery in Boston? John, pull out your wallet. You wrote it down a week ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, Trillium and Treehouse. That's right. <laughs> Love that dude. He would never remember those two breweries. Good shit. Great guy. Yeah. That's all that we need to hear. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Yeah. I have Peter Shields, and he is going to talk about John. Hi, Brandon. So, uh, this is an amazing day, right? So, he died July 19th. He was buried July 28th, and then we've got this amazing celebration. The remorse is over. What we do is we just celebrate who he is now. And you got to know John for more than a couple of weeks to get into his head, right? Because he does come across as a wee bit on the, you know, harsh, crusty side. And uh, The beauty of him. Right. It's, it's one of his charms. But... You know, anytime I needed anything, John was there. And we supported each other, and he's my big brother. And I never thought that when I first met him. I thought it was so full of shit. <laughs> but he became my big brother. And big brothers are, like, amazing. And they're flawed, just like we all are. But he taught me so much. He taught me about how to survive great pain. And do it in a stoic, don't rely on anybody manner. I don't know if that's a good thing, but that's John, that was John's situation. He was living by himself, right? And he just sowed so much amazing strength. That's what John... I can't, John, John would go for like cancer treatment one day and show up at the bar the next day and just have this great conversation and he walled things off. And I... I don't even know where he got those resources from. I have no idea. And I loved, like, I loved the breadth of his experience, his conversation. You know, I, I don't know if I, I kind of get jealous sometimes. I want to live that life. The shit that he did in the sixties and seventies. I mean, that's, that's the stuff of life. You know, when you let yourself rip. So he lived through that, 
and you live in a time where the social structure kind of allowed you to do that. And then I was just okay. I was just talking to some friends after uh, a few drinks, and I I see John as this amazing kind of a archetype. His like, like he straddled last century and this century, but his his foot his foot was firmly planted in the last century. It was about the freedom of the trains. It was the freedom of thumbing. It was the freedom of doing stuff. And the regulation give you not enough. They give you enough elastic so you could enjoy yourself. John wasn't. John never had his leg planted in our century the same way. He brought all of that wealth, and that's why he was a great, great friend. And we all were all enamoured by his amazing wit, intellect, all of that. But John, like Joe said, John had a hard time with the fucking phone. Yeah. You should have... We have got so many great stories about him and his, his computer. But you know what? He tried, and he tried. And he was so... He was so passionate about things like politics. That was the thing. So John, John comes across like a burnt pie at the beginning, mm-hmm. but then you find out there's all this wonderful thing underneath. <clears throat> and I, I miss him, and I don't know how to talk about him. One minute is the past tense. One minute is the present tense. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever see something like that again. And it's partly because of what he's doing. He lived at a time when he was stuck in both worlds. But when I talk tonight about the fact that he could get on with anybody, that was why I guess that means he straddled both worlds really well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay, just on a personal note, uh, this is a personal note, I didn't mention it there. You remember I talked about Jared and Rachel's thing and Courtney's thing? I can't believe Courtney didn't come. I hope she, she, I'm so sorry she missed it. I'm so sorry. I know she felt that John did. It was the same thing like last year. We bumped into you and Jenny at Remedy and we went back to your place yeah. and just sat out and had a few beers. See, that's the kind of shit that John really, really, that was his thing. That's what gave him value. He loved that. It wasn't the best at expressing it. But, see, this is, I didn't say it very well out there. I think when I said John didn't have sentimentality, I thought... I think he just thing, didn't know how to show it. Right. And I don't know if sentimentality is the same as being emotional. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But he was emotional about that stuff. We, see, John, you know, in the last year, during COVID, I saw John seven days a week. And we talked about everything. Even though he kept his health from me. Yeah. And he kept a few others, but he never kept how he felt about his friends. He just wasn't primed to be, you know, a gushing guy. I yeah. knew, I knew the moments where he just loved, loved it. And that was another one I could have mentioned, what we did last summer. It was two hours and it was wonderful. And that's what gave him value. Yeah. And my, listen, I'm going to be in my mid-70s and, you know, fucking quick time apparently <laughs> unless it yeah I want to be able to connect to the world the way John did right 
How can I talk to Kayla, Joel, Brennan, Jared? How can I, how do I get to, to be part of your life? That, tell me another mid 70 year old guy you know that comes even close to that. That's a thing with and that's, I'm not sure what else to say. That's perfect. Thank you. Okay. All right. I have Dan sit away. It's his turn. Oh, gosh. Well, the, the one that I've been telling folks about all night is uh, is when we were sitting out um, on the patio uh, right after, or a couple months after COVID reopening. So probably like late November or so. Y'all have been so generous in getting us those gift baskets. <laughs> keeping us warm and cozy and masked and everything like that. And I just, um, you know, really like five tables out there and John would very regularly be at one of them. He would always like usher me to his table and let me hang out. And, um, and it's just so bittersweet thinking about this. Uh, you know, we had these plans. He had his hard drive and everything, right? Um, that he's like, he's like, yeah, I've got all these pictures of my Saudi Arabia. He's always really speaking very about this like Saudi Arabia trip. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, he had this hard drive, and at some point he just like brought it along, and I'm thinking, oh, oh my goodness, like I'll do everything I can to get everything off this hard drive, but you know, I don't necessarily know how these terminals work and all this. And thankfully, that didn't turn out to be an issue. What turned out to be an issue was that I think most of them were stored on the cloud. But, but anyway, like, like the talk, like everything leading up to this, like the the talk of like putting together this hardbound book of all of his pictures, and you know. I'm just trying to sell them on like, oh, you know, we could, we could like, you know, probably find somebody to do a Tolkien-style map of your exploits around <laughs> Saudi Arabia or something like that. But yeah, like, just let's just pick out, you know, you've got a really good eye for photography, let's just pick out a few and um, and put together this little compendium, and I thought I had all the time in the world to do it, and seven months later, you know, here, here we are. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know, like, it's 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 been tough, like, going back and trying to remember like my first impressions of John, mm -hmm. but my my most familiar were always like, you know, coming in and be on his phone, like talking about the politics of the day or something. He always had he always had something good to say about our former president, <laughs> something quote unquote good, nasty, acerbic about yeah. our former president. Yeah. Um, <laughs> New York Times, look what they just yeah. said. <laughs> the fucking cheetah, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the sentient Cheeto or like yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, my, my other favorite one, and this again was like within the last seven months, like, you know, he's come, having me come over and do some, you know, work on passwords or his printers and some miscellaneous tech stuff now that yeah. he knows I'm good for it. And, um, and there was one where he, he had me come over and try to like decipher some, because he always had his, he was this, <laughs> I explained to someone else out there, he was this, oh, excuse me, sorry. Um, he was this very odd mixture of, um, of like really good infosec practices as far as like randomly generating his passwords and terrible infosec <laughs> practices insofar as he wrote them all down on post-it notes oh, I know. and kept them all in the put same them right there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so when the time came like two months ago or something, um, Jane, Jane was there at that time and they were trying to set some more memorable passwords or trying to like transition him from this random stuff. Yeah. Um, and they were having trouble like deciphering, <laughs> deciphering the language and so Jane called me up. And I came over there on a Saturday or a Sunday and met her and, and saw John hanging out on the couch, you know, reading his book and still having a really good sense of humor about himself despite all, all of what he was going through at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I am, I am happy to say that I 
I apparently I took the password algorithm to heart because I went in there, I read it right off, I typed it right in, I hit enter, and it started working. Yeah. So that's when I that's when I felt like, okay, John, I get you, man. Like <laughs> we're on the same wavelength, at least as far as this is concerned. But no, he was always such a great resource. He's always talking about like history, gave me a bunch of perspective. I never would have guessed that he was at all like psychedelically inclined. Um, that was like I, I got I got this picture of him like, built up as uh, you know he's this he's this gruff railroader man like booze and booze and smokes tops something like that and then, and then I hear that like oh no man he's, he's, he's done his he's done yeah. his share or he's, yes, he's been yeah. around a bit and, and I just yeah I really um, and one of the things I regret is that um, I didn't introduce him to, to more folks. Like my, he and my dad would have probably gotten along pretty well um, if he had known John all that all that well. But um, but no, it was always um, it was never never a dull moment with John. And he always he always made me feel so happy to be his friend. And I was always looking forward to to seeing him in there. Isn't um, that true? So well, thank you, Dan. I don't know. Absolutely, my yeah. pleasure. Thank you, Brennan. Here is Cameron Palmer talking about John. Uh, John was <clears throat> my first interaction with John was um, I. It's hard to put into words, and I feel bad because I definitely jumped to assumptions. But a coworker of ours, a cute female, told me about how this older guy at the bar gave her a hug, and it made her feel a little uncomfortable. And I was like, that old piece of shit. That boomer ass dickhead. What a prick. How dare he? Who is that? Who is this John guy? Fuck that guy. Um, and, you know, did he maybe cross the line? Possibly. I don't know. He, you know, he was older, and I'm sure it was somewhat innocuous. But I, I just read out the game. I was like, I don't like this guy. And then throughout the several years later in getting to actually know him as a person and to appreciate who he is and who he was, um, I don't think I've ever had <clears throat> a greater appreciation for um, regular like that. Um, he was one of the most well-read, uh, empathetic individuals. Um, he was nothing like my first impression of him was. Uh, I, knowing him now, realized that it was uh, more so an act of, of uh, kindness and uh, love than old pervy man behavior. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I wouldn't, my day would always improve whenever he walked in, uh, purely because of the various anecdotes and stories that he had to liven up, you know, a boring day shift. Um, he was the kind of regular as most bar people, bar staff would say, there are regulars that you love to see and there are regulars that you don't necessarily look forward to seeing. And he was 
I don't know if it was the former or the latter, but he was one that I looked forward to. Um, I would hope that he would come in on the shift that I was working. And, uh, yeah, he was a, a very kind individual. I'll never forget when he had some extra money and he asked our manager, Chelsea, who would benefit most as a, a Christmas gift. And she directed him towards a single mother and he gifted her this money uh, just out of the kindness of his heart. And I think that was 100% indicative of who he was. He, uh, he was a kind man. And he had the best stories. As someone who who enjoys psychedelics as much as the next guy. <laughs> and to to have a an older person be able to uh, appreciate and have the same uh, level of value for it and, and understand not only how fun it can be, but also how uh, positive of an experience it can be. It was fun. It was fun to hear about um, you know, acid in its glory days. And you know, the Midwest is, is its own entity, and he was very much of that place. He knew how to have a good time. He knew how to be kind. And he knew how to spin a good story. Um, he said he was one of the most well-read individuals I've ever seen. The man would walk in with multiple uh, dense uh, periodicals with heavy topics and deep subject matter that he would read to the fullest and he was one of the more well-informed individuals and somebody something that I would strive to to be uh, in my <coughs> older years um, he was somebody to uh, to strive to be like um, love the guy and uh, even as he got older and I wasn't around as much, he, the, the memory of me would not come to him as quickly. Um, I could still tell that when it did click, he would be the same John. And uh, yeah, one of my biggest regrets in leaving this place is not being around people like him more often and missing <clears throat> a, uh, a portion of, uh, of a life that I really enjoyed being around. <clears throat> the man would give you the shirt off his back if he felt like 
you needed it. <clears throat> I mean, I even, you know, love a good stereo system, and he just gave me some old speakers he had lying around because he thought that I would, would appreciate them. And uh, that, that spoke volumes to me. And, uh, he was a great guy. He'll be dearly missed. I, uh, I don't know who I can turn to now for stories about conducting on the rail lines in the 70s and 80s. Who can tell me about what it was like frying their face off on the streets of San Francisco? Who can give me confidence that my political stance is not an uninformed, uh, youthful take, but something that can be found amongst an older generation? Because that. That's a lot. Somebody like him would have the wherewithal and the understanding of how fucked up a lot of things have gotten. And, uh, yeah. He was a great guy. I wish it, wish it hadn't happened so soon. Thank you. Kia Nielsen is here to talk about John. Hi, I'm here to talk about my lovely friend, John Welch. John and Peter and I all met six years ago, and we could talk about anything and everything. You were safe in every conversation you had. You can express your opinions, and you would sometimes or usually hear the same stories from John a couple times. But it was okay because John had good stories and you couldn't help but love him because he had such a big heart. John uh, enveloped you in a hug every time he saw you. He always said, love you and kiss me on the forehead when he was leaving. I saw him as a dad and a brother. Unfortunately, I had a moment when I was getting picked on at the bar by someone and he's like, well, is that your dad? And I made the mistake of saying he was my grandfather and he punched me in the arm, which I well deserve <laughs> because he wasn't old enough to be my grandfather, but more like my dad. And um, Peter explained to me later that he thought that he was very worldly with women and he thought he would have, that I would have seen him as a, a boyfriend or something like that, rather <laughs> than a um, dad or a grandpa. So that is something I learned after the fact, and I kind of felt bad for it, but I'm pretty sure he forgave me. Um, John will forever be in my heart, someone that just exuded love for the people around him, was grateful and excited for the friendships that he had, and he relished him with his whole heart. Um, I love him, and I will forever, and I have been blessed to get to know his family a little bit too. So uh, I am beyond words in missing him, and I will join him someday. 
Thanks, Kia. Derek Roybal is here talking about John. Uh, yeah, the, hey, Brendan, how you doing, man? I'm okay. Yeah, this is pretty cool you're doing this. Thank you. <clears throat> so uh, I remember the first night I met John. I was uh, working at the Tap House kind of at the end of a long-time career as a bartender and waiter and all that. And kind of, uh, you know, looking kind of lost in life and looking for somewhere to go. And was really leaning towards getting into the medical field and I just happened to get into it and I was going into a cardiovascular tech school and that's uh, where you put stents in hearts and things like that and I was uh, super brand new into it but I was really excited so whoever I met I was kind of like they'd ask you what you're up to or what you're doing or like John always like hey you know try to he'd get to know you um, I remember sitting and chat with them and you know you, you remember that moment you connect with somebody and it was like he's like well, what do you do and I'm like, well, I'm doing this, you know. And he goes, well, what does that do? Man? Oh, well, we put we put stents in. I put stents in people. He goes, oh, because I got a stent. And I'm like, oh shit. So immediately we had a connection there. We would chat about it, and I happened to know the doctor that put it in him, and you know the experience he had, and he went through it. I also had this experience with Tom Reese, which was pretty cool. Kind of brought this whole tap house place together and made good memories for me. But but uh, we talked about that. And, I kind of started asking him, and this is how I this is how I remember him. I remember him. I imagine this big desert with this giant like BNSF or whatever Santa Fe engine railroad on it, or going through it, and him riding on top of it like it's the uh, uh, what's that movie where he rides the Teen Wolf? No, rides oh. the bomb down to the ground. Uh, uh, the Doctor Strange. Yeah, Doctor Strange love. So I just have this image of him. Because he told me, he goes, yeah, I was a railroader. I've been all over the world. And, he, and the first place he told me was, uh, you know, the Middle East. I'm like, oh, no kidding. I didn't think they'd put rails in it. How do you solidify the ground? It would sink right in the sand. But I just imagine him riding that big <laughs> engine down there, whipping his hat, saying, just, you know, doing the Dr. Strangelove down through that. So, you know, I, I chatted with him over, you know, the times he came through here. And he's always nice and kind and generous. And then our past parted ways. And five years goes by and this has actually happened Brennan, uh, probably about four or five months ago I was up at Remedy and I was walking to the bathroom and I saw him he was sitting there I was like John hey man he goes hey and he recognized me after five years and I'm like man I kind of imagine I'd just be some you know some random person you don't really recognize and she's how you doing you know and he, he remembered that I went to that field I talked to him and um, I had no idea he was sick I had no idea what was going on asked about me, was very concerned about me, and I had no clue that anything was going on in his life. And he was super kind and smiling, we chatted and we went our ways. And then um, I found out after hanging out with you and Peter about his his uh, his illness and then all this came about. And now through through you man, through all your fucking kindness and all your heart, we're all here now. So uh, so that's how I remember him. It helps me love you more, brother. Now I have Rob Lutchendorf, and he would like to talk about John. Oh, okay. Um, John, you know, I met John when I worked here, uh, like pretty much everyone did that still works here or has worked here. Uh, and I've wasted, I had wasted many a night 
when I was supposed to be doing my job, just standing at the end of the bar listening to John talk because he was just a fascinating character. And um, as I got to know him, you know, I, I eventually quit here and I, I went on to different things and I'm a teacher now and now I'm a, a loyal patron of this place and so, is jo so was John. Um, and it became kind of a regular afternoon thing to hang out with him after, particularly after a hard day of teaching, uh, to come in and just kibitz with him because when you kibitz with someone like John, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, I got into subjects I never thought I'd get into with anybody else. I mean, I just, he's the one that turned me on to stoic philosophy of all things. Um, I, I never thought I'd actually get on to a website and order the meditations of Marcus Aurelius, but he <laughs> inspired me to, <laughs> to, to travel that road. Um, but he's, you know, there's, there's like, there's a few different kinds of people that come into your life. You know, you have your people that are with you your whole lives. Those are your family and the people that, you know, you hate them, but you don't want to hang out with them. They're your family. You know that. Uh, there's the people that are in your lives for a while, you know, that I have friends that have gone back 25 plus years, but, you know, you just fall out of, you fall out of contact with them. And then there are these people that come into your life uh, suddenly and have such an impact on you that words really fail trying to describe what they do for you. Uh, John was one of those people. He just, even a bad conversation with him, I'd walk away thinking about it, just like, what the fuck did that guy just say? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, you get him talking about medieval lore and all this weird shit that he was so passionate about. Uh, the guy just, he would blow your mind with just the subjects that he was, I, I, I'll use the word expert. He was an expert on it. You know, amateur expert because he just he just devoured books and he, he he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. And just sitting and talking with him, and yeah, you know, talking about current events. It was talking on an echo chamber. We we agreed on a lot, but he had a good sense of humor about it. Um, and you know, towards the end there, you know, even during COVID, when it was the inside of the building was shut down. And we're sitting outside on the patio because that's the only thing that's open and they had tarps around it. We're all sitting there freezing our nuts off. And he goes in and gets his seat cushion from Chelsea because he's like, I don't want my ass to freeze to the seat out here. <clears throat> and we're, we just, we endured and we hung out and we talked and we just, you know, we had so many people that came in here that we were part of this group. And I became such a better friend of, of his after I stopped working here because I got, I actually had the time that I wasn't being paid to, to talk to him. Um, and then, the, you know, I mentioned this to you earlier, Brandon. I just, the last day I saw him in person, you know, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Uh, it was one of those days where I was hanging out with the group that usually hangs out at the table and we talk about whatever, you know, it's like the brain trust and we were sitting around talking, and John showed up just as I was getting ready to leave, and we had been talking about how, you know, John had been, he had a new cancer diagnosis, and I'm like, 
you know, it's, it, it resonated. And I, I'm not a hugger. There's only a handful of people I'll hug in this world. But I walked up to him, and I gave him the biggest hug, like I was hugging my own dad. And I said, I love you, man. He's like, dude, I love you too. I'm like, you have a rotten day, buddy. Have a seat. <laughs> have a beer. And he he's one of those guys that just comes in. You know, he came into my life. I, I knew him for maybe half a dozen years. And he's somebody I'm going to remember for the rest of my days. Uh, cheers to you, John. <laughs> I love you, man. All right, I have Adrian Lighthouser now, and she's here to talk about John. All right. Well, John and I uh, did not ever agree on anything, I think. Wow. I think most times we were uh, in conflict, uh, and it was always amazing how willing he was to sit down next to me uh, and disagree with everything I had to say and I pretty much disagreed with everything he had to say too but that's that was a great thing <laughs> that was not a bad thing I mean yeah. it was really kind of amazing to get to get in a disagreement with John I mean I think uh, others have said this that you know he's a little bit of a grump yeah. he you know had his <laughs> stories he had his he had his views, he had his positions, he had a lot of experience for sure, um, and he was a little bit set in his perspectives, <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better way to say it. I love it. Oh my gosh. So, so it, was, it was really amazing to get to know a person via conflict, because you don't get to do that very often, no. right? Like that you get to know somebody that you thoroughly disagree with, and yet you get to enjoy their company and their conversation. Yeah. And I really think that's who John was, because as I've been listening to more and more stories tonight, it's, it's just amazing to hear people talk about the ways in which he welcomed them in. And maybe I didn't recognize that at the time, uh, but it sort of takes trusting somebody to disagree with and to push back and to fight and to sit at their table while you disagree with them <laughs> and and uh, to give each other a hard time. And I and I feel like I did get a chance to learn from John. Um, frankly, I hope he got a chance to learn from me a little bit. Because <laughs> sometimes I was right. <laughs> um, but it was never... It was never with ill intent. It was never pushing back against somebody's character. It was always really diving deeper. And my gosh, how many places do you get the chance to talk with someone that you don't know all that well, but get into a truly deep conversation and engage in that way? Um, and get to dive deeper. That's such a rarity. <clears throat> and it was an amazing experience. Yeah. I mean, you summed up what everybody's been talking about. And that's the beauty of John. Yeah, yeah. He was, 
not an easy person to be a friend with, but he was always willing to listen to people. Uh, and, and he was a lot of fun to talk to, and he was a lot of fun to disagree with. And I feel that I'm very lucky I got that opportunity. Very rewarding. Thank you. All right, Mike Scott, tell me about John Welch. Um, my memories of John um, um, take a long time to build up, really, because um, uh, when I first started going to the Tap House, um, I mean, John was, was um, he was part of the furniture. He was chairman of the board. Um, in fact, he may have been the board. Um, but, but through Peter, really, I got to, to know John um, not as much as I would have liked to have. Um, but it was my, it was my privilege to have known him as much as I did. And the thing that I so admired about John was his, was his, um, his keen intellect and his, his desire to always keep learning. He was always inquisitive about things. Um... And, and the, the retention of knowledge he had, given the amount of drink that he consumed, was <laughs> absolutely astonishing. Because I can remember one time, you know, Peter and I were banging on about something about the Spanish Armada, and John had to correct us on no end of points that we that we were way off on because 15 years ago he had read this book about the Spanish Armada and he could go on and talk about you know that's why there was you know a certain number of swarthy people in Ireland because that's where the Spanish sailors wrecked and 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 all of this stuff and those were the things that that um, I so admired about him because he would deliver this knowledge um, in a way that was good-humored um, and non-judgmental and 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 I, those those were attributes that you don't find um, in very many people yeah awesome thank you